40 foot of Ferrandis. Oh, I got a live one here. <laughs> 10 win season, just the seventh in the history of the program. Dino Babers has delivered on his promises. It's over. It's over. The Orange have won it. Syracuse has won the national championship. This is the Seth Everett Show. Good morning, everybody. It is Tuesday, October 8th, 2019. We're live and local in Syracuse, New York. My name is Seth Everett. Polly Sibilia is with us. Good morning, Polly. Good morning. Do you stay up for all the baseball games? What? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I, couldn't. I, I stayed up and uh, I have to pay attention to the end of all the games to make sure that they... Uh, Oh, get on the again, air and this everything. Is, this is this is your responsibility yes. as a programmer for this radio. Yes. Studio. What's your official title? Operations manager. Operations. <laughs> I manage okay. the operations. You ever play? You ever play operations? Oh, it'd be much more fun than managing <laughs> these operations. Do you feel like there's a correlation between the game and? This I feel job? like I feel like I'm the man laying there with a big light up <laughs> nose. <laughs> Every day my nose is lighting up. <laughs> light up nose. I love that. That's the takeaway. That's why I always used to lo- lose things from other operations. Oh that, yeah, you lose stunk. the funny bone and the. <laughs> okay, coming down three, two, one. Welcome everybody. Good morning. Uh, it is Did you ever Tuesday. play mousetrap? Is again? I'm just kidding. <laughs> What about Candyland? Um, so last night, uh, the Yankees uh, won and advanced to the American League's uh, div- championship series. And the Yankees just manhandled the Twins. And the Twins, I just got the numbers in front of me. The Twins have lost 13 straight postseason games to the Yankees and 16 consecutive postseason games. That matches... The North American major sports record, which is held by the Chicago Blackhawks in the NHL from 1975 to 79. And what many people fell prey to, including myself, was I watched them during the course of the season. And in the beginning of the year, I slept on them. I have said on many radio stations across the country, I thought the Indians would win the Central. Because I said, you know, even though Minnesota's gotten out to a fast start, if you look 1 through 25, there are better players on the Indians than the Twins. But then the Indians made me doubters. And then the Indians almost blew like an 11-game lead. And then they won their division by eight games again. And they set a record, the major league record, with 307 home runs in a season where 24 teams, 24 hit over 200 home runs, they hit the most. So they get the record. They get the, I, I'm going to call it for this sake, the booby drive, the booby prize. Because that's what you get when you have that kind of a record. And all I said was this team with their manager, who has impressed me, Rocco Baldelli, who I, I've said this before, so Polly knows I'm repeating myself, but if you're new to the show, welcome. It's a fun show. Um, Rocco Baldelli makes me feel about 100 years old. Because I met Rocco Baldelli at the MLB Rookie Career Development Program when he was a minor leaguer. And before he made his major league debut, in my head, Rocco Baldelli is a prospect, not a manager. So it's been a very weird thing. And what I thought, and I will tell you exactly my line of thinking, 
I thought the loss of Domingo Herman would be a bigger one than it actually has turned out to be because their opponent didn't show up. But the reason is, is because most injuries are unfortunate, but just tough luck. Whereas Domingo Herman is what they call a self-inflicted wound. Because that's domestic violence, and I am very anti-domestic violence. And so based on that logic, I wanted the team to pay for their self-inflicted wound. That's where I came up with a prediction that I put no stock in. And the Yankees showed not that they are a champion, but that the Twins are not ready to be in their league. And I thought that was the biggest takeaway. I am not ready to give them their 28th World Championship yet. I'm not ready to plan the parade because we'll be doing the Seth Everett show live from the parade if they win. I just think that what they did was they faced the best possible opponent because now the Twins are matching the North American sports record since the 70s of 16 consecutive postseason losses. Would you rather and, not make the playoffs or be the Twins right now? Ah, that's a great That's question. a hokey radio question. <laughs> no, it's a, ra- it's a radio question, but there was one tweet, because we're going to address Twitter in a little bit, because there's a couple of things I'd like to say about that too, but it's a great point, because I, Andrew Marchand, who writes for the New York Post, who's an old coworker of mine, uh, he covers the media, so he doesn't cover sports, but he was a Yankee beat writer for like six years, so he knows the Yankee team, and he just, I'm paraphrasing because I don't have that tweet in front of me, but he said, it must be absolute torture to be a Twins fan, because I think this is, you know, I can't say it's worse than being a Buffalo Bills fan. I I I root for one of the worst teams in baseball, and... I I would take no I would yeah. take 16 consecutive playoff losses over what the uh, not ever getting the feeling of being in the playoffs. I would take it in a second. It, 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 yes, and I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. All I'm saying is that is a hard thing to say cuz you're not feeling it. And to have a season where all you do is get excited, 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 excited. This was a team that won a hundred games, a hundred games. Uh, it was a hundred and two games. They won a hundred and two games, and they got three hours. Or well, no, it's the Yankees, so it's four and a half hours of one home game. That's it. That's it, and it's over. And it was never in doubt. And there was one play. I want to say it was the second inning where the Twins had bases loaded with nobody out. And they scored zilch. And rather than give the praise to Luis Severino, which I thought was a masterful pitching job, it was, boy, the Twins are done. They're just—they're not even in the same stratosphere. Cleveland gives the Yankees a better run. That's not to say that Cleveland would beat the Yankees. I'm not going there. The Yankees are a good team. I'm not denying the Yankees are a good team. But they—the level of opponent—let's just say, assume for the sake of the argument— that they face Houston, right? Because they're facing Justin Verlander today, and if they lose and they force a game five, the Rays are facing Garrett Cole, who struck out 15 his last time out. Well, the Rays aren't ready yet either. I mean, it's kind of fluky that they made the playoffs. But Patrick Corbin's a former Astro, and he pitched 
his life <laughs> pitched lights out and the Rays are a good team and they just showed you that on any day a good team can beat a great team like game 3 is is not a problem like game 3 didn't bother me uh, if you're the Astros now it is a curious thing and I'm just going to first guess this just so that we you know if this goes if this backfires when we reconvene on Tuesday on Thursday rather this could happen Justin Verlander, at this stage of his career, on three days rest, I don't love. I don't love that because the same thing I said yesterday, they don't practice that. And I don't know that 75% of Justin Verlander is better than hold. You're up to one. You're not down to one. Down to one, you have to throw Verlander. Up to one, I'm not... I'm not 100% sure on that. What do you think of that? I, I take Verlander in any <laughs> any situation. You know, yeah, but, but, see, but this is three days like, rest. This is a, that, that's a baseball thing. Like three days rest is a different thing. Yeah, it's, I know. There's, we, a, there's a whole we discussed this, and yeah, it, it changes. It changes how the pitchers pitch and their ERAs are. What you said, a point higher. It's a run higher. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's crazy. Here you go. Uh, in the wild card era. I'll give you the number. Uh-huh. Uh, in the wild card era, pitchers who have made 120 starts with three or fewer days rest in between starts, they have gone 30 and 44 with a 4.58 ERA. By comparison, starters with four days rest between the starts in the same span have a 3.77 ERA. It's a run. The, this almost, series is over tonight, over. though, right? The series is over tonight. Uh, okay, I, maybe it's not a it's not a uh, fait accompli as they say. It's not a sure thing, but we don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, and then the Yankees will either uh, okay. Let, you guys want to just assume for the sake of the argument, Houston wins. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, Astros Yankees. You you complain about baseball all the time. Astros Yankees is going to be fun if it happens. I hope so. Look, the National League playoffs have been amazing. So, I'm not complaining just to complain. Um yeah. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that uh Yankees I hope that Yankees Astros is everything that you want it to be. Last year it was pretty compelling. Um I hope so. I I'm it's I'm It's made for TV. It's good. It it well, we'll see. We'll see what the ratings are, but <laughs> uh we'll see. I, I, you know, what I have found is the National League games have been fingernail biting, really compelling games. That Braves Cardinal series has been my favorite by a million. I mean, extra innings, last second plays, you know, Yachty Molina, you know, the guy, you know, he's past his prime, he shouldn't be playing, and now all of a sudden he gets the game winning, the game tying single, and then the game winning sack fly. And I love that it was a sack fly, not a home run. Of course you would. <laughs> because just play some baseball. Play. I, the guy had to run, he had to slide. Thank you. That's all I'm asking for. No, I, I thought it was great. And I think Brian Anderson, who's the Brewers announcer, is great on uh, TBS with Ron Darling. And I think that's a great. Uh, a great uh, see. I said something complimentary. You know, looking at this from like a radio or a TV guy, how yeah, yeah. a biggest the biggest disaster ever would have been a Rays Twins championship. Well, series. No, that, okay, <laughs> but that brings up but that brings up a point because you know this is the only sport that that's a factor because in yeah, the NBA, in the NBA, NBA they don't care if the Cleveland Cavaliers make the playoffs. 
because as long as there's a storyline and a superstar, yeah. it doesn't matter. And in the Super Bowl, if the Green Bay Packers play the, uh, give me random Tampa Bay small market, the same conference well, <laughs> so, <laughs> but, yeah, that wouldn't that wouldn't apply. That if you want to Cleveland. <laughs> You can go Fine. Cleveland again. Cleveland Browns, Green Bay Packers. The storylines there are enough that the Super Bowl doesn't dip in the slightest. But in baseball, the 16 World Series was great because it was the Chicago Cubs and the Cleveland Indians, and they hadn't won a championship in 150 years. But I've told you my fantasy World Series. My fantasy World Series just in the modern era would be the Cleveland Indians versus the Colorado Rockies and a blizzard to wipe out both cities. I think that would be You're so, so fun. much fun. I think that would be so much fun to watch them scramble and have to figure out how to play those series. And then some jackass on Twitter will say, can you play it in Miami or San Juan? Like, let's, let's do some stupid thing. And I'm telling you, it would be music to my ears. It would just be hilarious. So are you, are you saying they shouldn't have baseball and cold cities? I'm trying no, to figure no, out why, no, you, no, no, why no. you would want I just this think, to happen. I just think it would be... I just think it's a sport that's on thin ice I get when it. it when it when it is yeah <laughs> when it, it's a sport that's on thin ice when the geography and the market size of the teams that are in it matters in terms of ratings and how, why if the Texas Rangers are in it those are two of the lower rated World Series it's it, it's the only sport it's the only sport that has that issue and granted you're only comparing it to two other sports. But it's amazing how those two sports are is, NBA as long as there's a storyline and a superstar and the and Super Bowl as long as there's a storyline. That's all it is. And in baseball it's just if the Yankees play the Dodgers it's great. But if the Astros play the the, the um if the Milwaukee Brewers were it would be a nightmare. Well yeah, you could say that about an NFL playoff game if Tampa if Tampa you know, Bay was p- playing the Vikings like we were just no, using the same the two cities. The it, numbers. I know that's what I'm saying. People would watch anyway the NFL game. Over that's right the- because people because that's that's where it, it, that's where the this you can see what sports are on healthier ground. That 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 that's that's the point of that. Okay, so last night uh, I I first of all I want to apologize to a young lady. Oh no, I don't know that she's I I don't I don't I don't know that she's young. Her picture looks young, but I, who knows? I, I don't know her from Have anywhere. You, I don't know the filters nowadays on Snapchat and Instagram can make anybody look understand. good. I got you. Um, you should use them. She, she wrote, I'm paraphrasing one of them. She, says, she said, uh, I used to like your show until you started ripping Yankee fans. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, there are a lot of Yankee fans in central New York. And then this is a tweet that I replied to. She wrote, and I don't agree with those fan chanting that. Thank you very much. This is what made me like her. And but and I agree it's childish, but you were obnoxious for generalizing the entire fan base. And she's absolutely right. You should not stereotype. And I fell victim to something that I preach against, which is stereotyping. I don't like stereotyping. I don't think you stereotype races. You don't stereotype genders. You don't stereotype anybody. Everybody's an individual and can do whatever the heck they want, that, as long as it's on. legal. That's what makes sports fun. You you shouldn't stereotype people in general, but you can stereotype a fan base. Come on. That, that's a no, little no, no, over on, PC. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. But this is where I want to uh, clar- clarify the comments that I made. 
because what I thought at the time and what I should have said is, man, there are some obnoxious Yankee fans. Not all Yankee fans are obnoxious. There's a difference. But, man, there are some obnoxious it's, Yankee fans. I'm ready for, ready for some of the obnoxious Yankee fans? I'll read some of the obnoxious Yankee fans. How about how about the one where they how about the one where she wrote this woman Emily I'm not giving her last name out Emily wrote Gliber Torres could be the best postseason hitter in baseball history oh that's a Yankee fan God I'm gonna say and, all of them are and one of my one I'm of my biggest pet peeves one of my big pet peeves is that when when a when somebody forgets history. And the best example of that, and I pick on Greg Gumbel all the time because we fall victim of this. It's, it's human nature to fall victim of this, but I, it drives me bananas. So you remember Eli Manning to, to David Tyree caught the ball with his helmet, arguably one of the greatest catches in Super Bowl history. Would you say that's fair? Yeah. You know, that, that, that super. Okay. The very next year, Santonio Holmes of your Pittsburgh Steelers catches a ball with his tippy 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 toes on the end zone and it's an amazing catch i am not saying anything negative about the catch mm -hmm. but greg gumbel who was calling the super bowl at the time just happened to say and it's he just said that's the greatest super bowl catch in history <laughs> and i'm thinking to myself wait a minute what just happened just the last year the guy caught a ball in his helmet how heat can you do that heat of the moment right it's heat of the moment and so Gliber Torres is a great player. She's in the heat of the moment, so she writes greatest hitter in postseason history. But that doesn't make your skin crawl. Like he's not even the greatest ignorant, Yankee postseason here, here, hitter. Here, here's what I would say: ignorant millennial. Like that's my that's what my head sounds. You're like. stereotyping again. I know, but <laughs> it, 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 it feels so natural. <laughs> ignorant millennial was what I kept thinking because I'm thinking to myself: you have Derek. F and Jeter on your team. They had you Reggie had Jackson Rivera. too. He was pretty and, good. That and Reggie here's Jackson. What I would say, yeah. But here's what I would say. They called him Mr. Watch, October. Watch the way Mariano Rivera wins. Just watch some footage. Go on YouTube. Watch the way he wins anything. World Series, regular season game, LCS, LDS, LQS, whatever, whatever they are. And just watch and just win. And 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 I asked Mariano Rivera this years ago. And I said, you, you're always understated. And he says, act like you've been there before. And I love that. I, I just love that. But then the MLB account. I know we're late. But I, the MLB account. Well, I wanna, I want, can I get on my soapbox really quick? Because that really infuriates sure. me. Part of sports and part of being a sports fan is getting under the skin of your opponent's fan base. And okay. I'm not saying doing while it in you're a playing, moment. While no. you're playing or after no, you just win. fans. Just fans in general. Okay. Whether you win or lose, your job as a fan is okay. to be obnoxious to the other team's fan base. And to get upset if somebody is riding you out of jealousy or rubbing it in your face after beating you, you're you're not you're not getting the point. That that's supposed to happen. That's not stereotyping. Okay. That's okay. not being a jerk. And if someone right. calls your whole group of fans obnoxious, it's probably because you're winning and people can't stand you. You know, it's it's okay. But so let's just do this one. Should we, should we break and then do the the MLB account? Because I know I, the MLB account irritates me to no end, 
And I thought they crossed a line. I'll explain the line that they crossed. Hey. My name is Seth Everett. He's Paulie Sebelia. We continue here, right here on ESPN Syracuse. This is the Seth Everett Show. It'll be a 1-2 to Cruz. And Chapman's pitches. Steve right three. Ball game over. American League Division Series over. Yankees win. The Yankees win. Was my mic on for that? Ah, that's too bad. I mocked it, folks. Welcome back. ESPN Syracuse. By the way, we should tell people we have a phone number. We don't solicit calls because the show is short, and we figure if you have something you want to get on on the show, um, we'd love to have you. You're always welcome. We also welcome your tweets, even the ones that tell me you don't like me. It's totally fine. I love it because as long as you back up what you say, I don't care what you say. So it's good. It's totally good. Uh, 315-437-7644 is the phone number. And I believe Matt is on the line. Where's Matt calling from, Paulie? Cicero. Hey, Matt and Cicero. What's up? How are you guys doing? Good. Good. How are you? How's the family? Uh, I'm doing well. Oh, they're good. Thank you. Oh, good. Um, so I, I got to speak on this greatest of all time oh. thing with, with pretty much across all sports. It, it just drives me crazy. For one, you didn't have the video capability or the social media back in the 80s, 70s, 60s, 50s. So there were things done that people never even saw or won't even see that could be equivalent to something that occurs today. Like, I'm, I'm pretty certain that Willie Mays did things that today's players would be in awe of and they would be called the greatest play of all time. Sure, and and I don't want to be the old man that says it was better in my day. All I'm saying is stop calling these young kids the greatest of all time. Well, yeah, I also think that's it's kind true. of... No, I'm with you. That's, that's my point. I'm with you. I'm saying let's call it the greatest play of today. Or the greatest, like even Tom Brady, he's not the greatest of all time. Yeah, he's I like. I like well, that's Come a on. different debate. But you know I, no, here's my, no, here's my debate. There are different rules that put him in a position correct. to be more Understood. efficient than players previous to him. I mean, if he was playing in the '60s, he would have had his part of my French ARS wrong. No, no, I, I, I totally get what you're saying, Matt. You're 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 absolutely right. The what I I just prefer when you say he's the greatest hitter I've seen in a long time, or greatest hitter of the season, best play of I I've seen in years, like that. You can Correct. say, and I don't think twice about it. I don't check your age. I don't wonder what you're thinking. Like I don't care. But when, as soon as you say all time, I think you are neglecting one of my favorite things of sports, which is the history. Exactly, and I'm I'm on your page. I just wanted to make that point. Right on, man. You guys cool. are great. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, see I'm, I'm, okay, see, I'm not going to be a jerk here, but Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. No, no, no that's a and, separate argument. And, separate and argument. We don't have all, the time. The, the Willie Mays thing, Willie Mays is pretty much universally thought of as making the greatest catch of all time. Anyways, all right, I'll make it, you a deal. When the show gets expanded to two hours, then we can <laughs> we can have the Tom Brady there, debate. There, there, I, there, we don't have the time. No, I know, but the Willie Mays thing, too, like his catch was probably the greatest. Probably. And, and we, yep. There wasn't Twitter then. So, so, correct. So correct. I, All right. Let me just pay off uh, a tease because I, I hate when radio hosts tease something and they don't say it. You are. So a the tease. MLB Twitter account is run by children. And so the, if you remember, the Minnesota Twins slogan all year was they were the bombas. 
bombas for all the home runs. The bombas. Uh-huh. MLB puts out a Twitter a picture of uh, Aaron Judge and Gliber, whatever the hell, and the other dudes, and he puts the tweet tweet out, and it says Bronx Bombas. Now, you're the MLB Twitter, which means you service everybody. Mm-hmm. Why do you have to celebrate one by putting down another? I just, I think that's inappropriate. And what it tells me, and, and this may be because my skewed brain is too annoying, but that says, I know that 90% of the people that work for MLB are freaking Yankee fans, and that's what they would tweet. This is the account that I ride every year because every night during the regular season because they show ten highlights, nine of them are home runs. They, it is it is an ignorant a Twitter account, and to me, you don't have to put a twin fan down to celebrate your victory. Well, see, here's the thing: I agree with you. MLB shouldn't have done it, but the Yankees sure as hell should have tweeted that out. The Yankees, the Yankees give them credit. The Yankees tweeted, congrats to the Twins on a great series. I know, but... Even though it was a three-game sweep, and you could argue it wasn't even a good series, but it was... that That's classy. I would have been... Do something classy. I would have been fine with the Yankees doing it. MLB shouldn't be doing it. No, I, I, absolutely. Bronx Bombas? Oh, that job showed me It is well. funny. It is funny. It's not that funny. No, it's, it's a good one. It's a good it's, one. It's not that funny. I'm not going to lie to you. That's pretty good. <laughs> But All yeah, right, can, I, can shouldn't I read, be doing it. Can I read one more thing and then we'll get to uh, Josh? <laughs> yeah. Because uh, uh, doesn't Josh have class? Um, Sarah wrote us in and she's more than welcome to call. She says, I really appreciate what you said on the show today. I agree with what was discussed. I grew up a Yankee fan watching with my father when I was a child. I just love the game in most sports. I can't stand overly obnoxious fans, even in my own fan base. No, I'm the same way with Steelers I, fans. Totally. That That's worked. I'm telling you, Sarah, if you tweet me again, I'm not reading it on the air, but I'm saying right there, that's exactly the point. That's exactly the point. That's why the mistake I made yesterday was saying that Yankee fans are obnoxious. There are many obnoxious Yankee fans, and it's the third most obnoxious fan base based on the just sheer numbers of how many obnoxious fans there are. The uh, the understated fan base, as far as obnoxious is concerned, is the Cardinals. The Cardinals, they, they, they're like fingernails on a chalkboard because if, and again, we don't have the time to, I'll, I'll tell you a story about a fight I got with somebody because of Yanni Molina. The Cardinals don't stop. They are relentless. And the only reason why they don't get talked about, like the Red Sox and the Yankees, to me, it's because of their lack of media coverage. The Red Sox have the most obnoxious fans. The Cardinals, number two, and the Yankees are three. And, there, that doesn't mean all Yankee fans, because you should not te- stereotype. But that's the oh that's goodness. the problem. That's the problem is when you rub people's nose in it, and that's what I can't stand about social media because people just have to revel. And MLB doesn't help when they're doing bomb Bronx bombas because that's childish. Fans do this in to your face too. Have you ever been in a stadium? Like if the opposing fans are there, they're going to yell at you after a game too. It doesn't need booze makes you do stupid things. Uh, yeah, but this was the same same fan base that had people in the thousands chanting Uber. It's the same people. 
Yes, yeah. and those are the people that we're talking about. All right, Josh uh, is here from the Daily Orange, and uh, Josh Schaefer, thank you very much. I had a brain freeze. Josh Schaefer from the Daily Orange is here. He's been at SU practice. While nobody's been talking about Q's football, we are going to next. This is ESPN Syracuse. This is the Seth Everett Show. All right, before we get to Josh Schaefer from the Daily Orange, I know there's some listeners going, could you talk huge football already? Um, you remember the the trending, uh, the, the hashtag that the Mets used when they were making their little run, when they was LFGM? LFGM, you guys can figure out what that, how about let's go Mets and you know what the F means? Got it? So that was a hashtag and the players were using it. That was their big hashtag. Mm-hmm. Last night during the Yankee game, Right? L-F-G-Y. That's obnoxious. That's not your chant. That's not your hashtag. Shush! I think you take Twitter way too serious, man. You need to take a break. <laughs> you need it. to back I away from it. Twitter for a while. I've done Twitter. it. I rarely get on Twitter now because it no. makes me want to throw my laptop. I love it. I love it. And I, what I promised, because Darren Ravel, I'm going to name drop here. Darren Ravel gave mm. me great advice. He said, when you do Twitter... 65% of your tweets should be about your personality. The other 35% should be promotional. Oh, I have a great burn right now. So 65% of your tweets would be blank. <laughs> Singer. Nice. Good night, everybody. <laughs> All right, I don't remember my point. Josh Schaefer covers the Syracuse Authors. <laughs> <laughs> for the Daily Orange. What's going on, Josh? Welcome. Seth, skipping class per usual. How are you? What's your uh, favorite baseball team? The Red Sox. Obnoxious. <laughs> I'm from Boston, so. Oh, God. That's funny. <laughs> that just makes me laugh. Of course you're a Red Sox fan. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right. Um, so tell me, they, they, uh, they set up this week so that they kind of started this week on Saturday. So if the game was on a on a on a Saturday, they, this would be the equivalent of Tuesday. Or, or no, it, it is Tuesday. I, who knows? But the idea was they had a full week of preparation using their bye for the short game on Thursday night. How healthy are they? What can you tell us about injuries and especially injuries to the offensive line? So we know nothing more than we knew before to the extent that I don't think... Offensive line specifically, I don't think Sam Hackle's (laughs) going to play. Uh, Really? He's that banged up, huh? Yeah, there's no indication that he's back and healthy, and I haven't seen him back and healthy. Um, So I would be surprised if he's playing on Thursday, but maybe it will be a pleasant surprise for everyone. But it does not look that way. Uh, Specifically with what Dino said, Dino gave no update, which you would think if any of the guys are healthy, he would have liked to have talked about that a little bit because he gets asked about it every week. But he said, right now, I wouldn't bet on those guys playing. I think it's going to stay the same. Um, Now, looking at the secondary, they had injuries that seem more, I guess, week to week. Like It looks like Fatou Malafanu left with more of a hamstring, which is more of a week to week kind of injury. Andre Sisco walked by us the other day while we were interviewing players. He didn't speak to the media, but he looked fine. Uh, he didn't have any okay. obvious injuries, but I those two are both on that list, too. I mean, that's who we were all asking about, and he did not say that either of them are going to play. But I would say the secondary, you're more likely to see them at least get in, right? Maybe they don't play the whole game, but we might 
see them contribute. It does not seem like Sam Heckle or McKinley Williams are any further along than they were before the bye week, which is definitely not a good sign for Syracuse. No, there's no no question uh, about that. What about uh, what Dino talks about having uh, not that much video on Bailey Hockman, who is going to make his first start. He's a redshirt sophomore, and he's making his first ever start against the Cuse. Yeah, I think he pretty much, they're just kind of looking at the offense as a whole. That's usually how it goes when they don't know what quarterback is going to play, and especially because right. it's not a big difference in as far as, like, you don't have one guy that's crazy dual threat and one guy that's crazy pocket passer. Like they're not NC State's not reinventing their offense here. They're just playing a different guy. So that's a good sign for Syracuse at least. And he said the main focus for the last week, apparently what they like to do in idle weeks is more watch their own film, which I thought was interesting. They kind of reviewed the their own five games more than they reviewed NC State, I think, to some extent, and kind of took a step back, see what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong, and how to address that. So maybe that means we'll see a little bit more offense on Thursday finally. Who knows? Well, the other thing is is that, you know, as much as the SU secondary is banged up, so is uh, NC State. And so what that could open up an opportunity is to find nice wide open lanes for Tristan Jackson, for Tom Todd, Taj mm-hmm. Harris. Get Tommy DeVito to really air it out. And, and I would love to be able to see that. Now, again, that comes down to offensive line. And I don't like saying that because this is what I can't stand about football analysis. Is like, Well, it's going to come down to the offensive line. No kidding. <laughs> no, no kidding. It's going to come down to that. But just the opportunity that they'll have to kind of expose a banged up secondary, just like NC State will try to do to us. Yeah, I mean, there's... These teams are remarkably similar, which I think is the crazy thing, right? They're both 3-2. and two. You look at all of their games, you kind of learn nothing because they're all different games, and they either get NC State lost to Florida State and West Virginia. They lost at Florida State, which Syracuse could easily lose. I think they lost by 14 at Florida State. Syracuse could do that too. You don't learn a lot from that. They lost at West Virginia, and then they have a couple like okay home wins, which I think is pretty much where Syracuse stands too. Something interesting I just pulled up. I was curious because we were talking about Syracuse offensive line. NC State's 11th in the country in sacks. 18 yeah. sacks so far this year. That's second in, or third yeah. in the ACC, sorry. That's yeah. not a good sign. <laughs> well, look, the fact of the matter is is that, you know, this, is, this offensive line has been ba- embattled so far. But, you know, we talked about it last week. These are winnable games. Every one of these games are winnable, but they have to go out and actually win it. And none of them are give-me's. And no game on their schedule can they not show up and still come away with a victory. So it's amazing how much the schedule is conducive to their success, but also their failure. To me, the main issue with this game is, like we said, it's winnable. They're both similar teams. It's how does the, and you can say this in a lot of games, but how does the first quarter go on Thursday is huge, right? A Thursday night road game, they might have a blackout going or all white out or something. They're, they're going to do something special, I'm sure. It's a Thursday night nationally televised game. Those are the kind of games that can turn upside down really quickly, especially if Syracuse turns the ball over early or something like that. So it's almost like you have to play to not lose the game in the first quarter more than you need to play to win the game to some extent. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. He's Josh Schaefer from the Daily Orange. He's going to stick around because he does not go to school. And uh, it's amazing how the Daily Orange lets him continue to write without him being a matriculated student. It's, hey, it's fascinating. Hey, Seth, did you know? Yeah. I want to make a little quick programming note for everybody while we get here. The Burdick Toyota postgame show is going to be a little wonky. 
Yeah. <laughs> this someone Thursday. Say, someone say, I've heard that show. It already is. <laughs> <laughs> no, going into it. Because, because of Syracuse football and the Giants both playing at the exact same time, the postgame show will start after the Giants football game. That's right. So if the Syracuse game. NC State game ends, let's say, 11.05, we would normally go on at 11.08, right? We, that, that we, we kind of take it right after the final whistle is blown. But if the Giants are still playing, so my prediction for this is going to be... Giants OT? Uh, Giants Patriots will go overtime. <laughs> There'll be a lightning delay. <laughs> <laughs> and we will take the air about 12.45. And in that case, what we're doing is we're going to record the postgame show, James Mungro and myself, and we'll re-air it the next morning at 10 a.m. <laughs> because nobody will be awake to hear it. So, yes, the Burdick Toyota uh, postgame show is happening Thursday night, but after Giants football, which... We won't talk about the Giants game. That's the other funny part. Some strange thing. Some guy will catch a ball in his helmet, and we won't talk about it because we'll be talking about a game that will have ended 45 minutes earlier. Fantastic plan. I bet you the Syracuse game goes long. Is there any chance that the college football game actually ends before the NFL game? Zero chance. No, no, because it starts 20 it minutes earlier. It doesn't matter. And this Syracuse game will end at midnight. Yeah. 8 p.m. start? Yeah. It, yeah. National I, TV? I'm going with, I'm going, I'm, you guys want to make that interesting? Y- yeah. Yeah. I'll put a lunch okay. on it. <laughs> you put a dinner on it last time and you canceled. <laughs> Your bets are hollow. <laughs> we didn't make a bet over the dinner. That was it just me a... being nice. And I canceled. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Coming down hey, in three, two, one. At least I canceled one. with you. I told you. and didn't just... Make you go by yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, why the NBA is at risk to lose millions of dollars. Coming up in just a moment, this is ESPN Syracuse. This is the Seth Everett Show. Hey, folks, on October 26th, Croc, (laughs) K-Rock, Croc. There's a dash. I'm reading the wrong one. This portion of the show is brought to you by Bill Rapp's Rapid Purchase. Enjoy the entire car buying process from your laptop, mobile device, or tablet at BillRapp.com. All right. Uh, back here on ESPN Syracuse. Uh, Josh Shaper is going to stick around. Uh, I do not want him to get involved in global politics. I do. Uh, unless, unless he wants to. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this he came out this very morning. very worldly. <laughs> Second straight day, story broke at 5 a.m., which is wild. Yesterday it was uh, it was uh, the coach, Gruden, for the Redskins. Today, Chinese state broadcaster CCTV will no longer air NBA preseason games that are set in China. The whole purpose of going to China is to get on this CCTV after Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Morey tweeted an image that supported anti-government demonstrations in Hong Kong. Now, why is Daryl Morey doing that i don't i don't know but the nba commissioner is taking a very bold stance here he is saying we support daryl morey we're not disciplining him we're not suspending him and and he shouldn't be suspended but there's no discipline whatsoever and that was in an interview morey's tweet has provoked a wave of censure from chinese companies including a major sports merchandise retailer and news site that have halted its partnership with the Houston Rockets. Now, why is this a big deal? Because it's a big deal to the NBA, and there's a billion people in China. And what the NBA has done successfully is globalized better than any other sport. 
And if you are going to make this an issue where Chinese people can't watch the NBA, this is a big challenge. And I can't think in a recent memory of a, of a sports commissioner having to figure out something to do and something. He is in a really, really tough spot. What I won't say is that he's doing the wrong thing because I'm not sure what the right thing is because he wants to protect his guy and wants to protect free speech. But man, this is major. The, the, the rockets are in China just to get on TV and it's not on there. That's a big, big deal. And we're going to talk about it more throughout the day. And it's a huge sports story and it's a very awkward one. No question about it. Great comments on that, Josh Schaefer. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He'll be back next week. Uh, Centers of Attention is coming up next. This is ESPN series.